Let me ask you a question, though, because Christmas is over. Um, did you get what you wanted? Yeah, you did. You got what you wanted? I mean, how many of you would say, I got what I wanted for Christmas? All right, all right. Well, I think, I think in, as a parent and during Christmas, um, I mean, I think that's, that's one of our goals, right? One of our goals is to get our children, to give our children, give the people that we care about what they wanted. Um, and I think a lot of times we, um, we, we have an idea of what we want. And uh, let me ask you this. Have you ever wanted something, but you really didn't need it? I mean, yeah, I mean, right? So, and, and, and let me even ask you this. Do you, a couple of days, now since we're a little bit past Christmas, as you go back and you look at what you got for Christmas, is there anything that you got for Christmas that you were like, yeah, I didn't really need that. I could have gone without that this week or this season. See, I think um, a lot of times we, we, we want things that we don't necessarily need and the things that we really need we don't necessarily want right and I think it's because what we need rather than what we want all too often what we need isn't as exciting like one thing that I love getting every year for Christmas is a package underwear I love getting underwear. In fact, I have this dream someday. I, I've, I've, I've thought this. I've even prayed this, uh, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. I've, I've even prayed that God would bless me so much that I could, that I could, I have this weird fantasy, this weird kind of dream that I could put on a brand new pair of underwear every single day. <laughs> that God would bless me with 365 pairs of underwear. So when I get a, pair of, a, a package of underwear for Christmas, and it's like a three-pack, a five-pack, a six-pack, an eight-pack. I'm like, Lord, you're on your way. I know that's weird, but I, I like new underwear. Kyle, this is not an invitation, buddy. Please. T- <laughs> Don't wear them over your pants next week. I mean, <laughs> Oh, it's, we're going to have a good time today. Oh, yes. But I think that a lot of times the things that we need, they're not, they're not all too exciting. I mean, they're not, they're not very practical at times. Um, some things that we really need are kind of embarrassing, Kyle and Kristen. I'm going to separate you two if I have to. Good grief. See, do you, do you find that your want list is always, is always filled with things that aren't quite so practical? Maybe those things that are more exciting, more appealing. And your need list, your, your true need list, we don't talk about it as much because, um, because it's not as glamorous. It's not, it's not as, it, it's practical. It, it, it provides and and i think when we when when we put together these kind of lists in our mind of what we need or what we want there's a there's a real difference between them and that difference is designed 
because the needs, those things that we, that we really desperately need, don't necessarily, they're not, they're not, I mean, my mom didn't like buying gifts for us that were as practical. She wanted to buy the big flashy gift, right? She, rather, and, and really, in all honesty, what we need is those, those practical, those, those gifts that, that truly meet a need. Um, in fact, um, when I prepare to preach, every time I've ever prepared to preach and every week when I prepare to share with you, I don't ask God, hey, what do they want to hear? What, what does my church want to hear this week? I, I, don't, I don't approach preaching by saying, what, 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 what do they really want to hear from their pastor this week? What I ask the Lord is to direct me to what you need to hear. What you need to hear. And, and, and even at, at times, sometimes the, what we need to hear is it's challenging. It's difficult. Most likely because it's practical. And it will help us. And it will move us. And it will grow us. And, and, and there are lots of pastors, preachers, that will stand before their people every week and tell them what they want to hear. But that doesn't always bear fruit because we're preaching to your wants rather than your needs. And I think what God wants us to hear, for, and how, what I think he wants to hear from us, uh, what, or what we should be looking to hear from him is what we need, not necessarily always what we want. So when I think about preaching and when I wonder about what to share, I ask God, well, what does my church what does our church need to hear this Christmas season? And in, in the, the series that we've been in, uh, you know, week one, we declared a Christmas truce. Do you remember that? Where we declared a Christmas truce. That, that God would help you to have peace in your families and in your relationships this season so that you could truly see and be what God wanted you to be in those, um, in those times that you have together. Uh, we declared a ceasefire in our families uh, in week one. Then in week two, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we discovered the need to place Jesus at the center of our lives. And we used the nativity as a picture. And you see that Jesus is at the center of the scene. And therefore, he needs to be the center of our lives. Now next week, if the Lord doesn't direct me in a different way, we're going to look at how we can be a light in the lives of the people that we love and care for and a light into our world. And today, I want to talk to you about something that shouldn't be a surprise to you because we've mentioned it several times, but I think it's something that we all need, and that is joy. I think that in the world that we live in today, that, that the concept of joy is elusive. It's difficult to grasp and even understand and I think this is because the human condition that we are living in, the, 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 the circumstances that we live in in our world try to steal the joy from us, tries to take our joy away from us with this requirement and that requirement and this mandate and you can't do this and you can't do that and, and, and the world rewriting God's truths to suit their own needs and and, and desires and 
And so I think joy is something that we struggle to grab a hold of, albeit it's a gift from God. Uh, and I, I, think it's, I think it's interesting that something that is intended to be a gift for us, we have a hard time receiving, and that's joy. So today we're going to talk about this word joy, and, and Larry mentioned this, um, a lot of times when we talk about joy, we think of being happy. And did you know that happiness and joy are two different things completely? In fact, when I was preparing, I, I, I even started to write happiness, and I misspelled it. You know, it's, it's spelled with an I, not a Y. And I misspelled it. I hate to say that. My wife's going to get after me later because she's the grammar person in our family. You can't misspell joy, but you can happiness, or at least I can. And I think, I think that so many of us in our lives are carrying so many burdens, some of them very, very heavy, that if I could help you do anything, what you really truly need is to have, and help, is to have somebody help you lift that burden, relieve that burden that you may be carrying. I think so many times... We come to church needing picked up, and we get let down. I think so many times in this world, we need picked up, and we get let down. And, and I, want to, I want to encourage you, and I want to challenge you as well. Um, if you're down, and you need lift up, lifted up, God's Word can do that. What God says in His Word can lift you up, even if it is challenging even if it makes you kind of squirm in your seat or unsettled in your chair. In fact, when I was really, really little, I think I may have mentioned this before, and if you want to come look at it later, you can. I have a scar right here on my wrist, and it is my mother's index fingernail. My mom has passed, but I still have her fingernail mark in my wrist. Because when I was a little boy... We would visit my grandparents in Arkansas, and we would go to this Southern Baptist church, this little Southern Baptist church, uh, and we would spend our summers there. And so this little Southern Baptist church was always filled, the air conditioning never worked, and the pastor stood for an hour and yelled at us. And I was a squirmer. I would begin to squirm trying to get my way out of the pew, and my mother would dig her fingernail, her index fingernail, into my wrist to keep me seated um, and it was I had some bad experiences as a child in fact I had one experience as a child where she finally let me get up because I had to go to the bathroom really I probably just needed to get out of the room but I went to the bathroom as a little boy and I came back from the bathroom because I was so afraid of church and this pastor yelling and screaming at me all the time I came back to I came back to my mother with my shorts on backwards I don't know how that happened but they were on backwards so What I'm hoping that you discover as we grow in our relationship as a pastor and as a church is that I'm going to always bring you what the Lord points me to that I believe you need. And I, and I hope and I pray that it always lifts you up, even if it comes in the form of correct, correction or discipline or whatever. I hope that we always see 
that the kind of joy that we're talking about today is that correction, that instruction, that discipline, that wisdom, that leadership, that guidance that God can give us through his word that the world can't even come close to providing. And joy is not happiness. Because happiness is based on happenings or whether things are going well or whether things are being uh, are a success or not. And see, there's a difference between joy and happiness because happiness is fleeting. You can be happy one moment and you can be sad the next. In fact, if you were a, a Buckeye yesterday, you got happy at the end. But there was a moment where you were really sad because Utah scored again. But then just a minute or so, they, Ohio State made you happy again. See, happiness is it's temporary. It's fleeting. It can be here and then gone. But joy remains, even in the midst of suffering. Now let me give you a, a kind of how the world would define joy, because the world confuses joy and happiness just as much as we in the church do. See, joy as the world defines it, and why we have a, such a hard time connecting to the joy that God provides through his word and through his presence in our lives, is that joy, as the world would define it, is an emotion. And it's an emotion that's acquired by the anticipation and then the acquisition or even the expectation of something great or wonderful. In fact, you may have wished and hoped and wanted something so desperately this Christmas, and when it showed up, you felt joyful because you received what you wanted. But in all honesty, that was just happiness. And at some point in time, the newness will wear off and, and, and you'll move on and you'll forget that thing or that item that made you so happy in that moment. It could be described as exhilaration, uh, something that delights you, just sheer gladness. It can result from a success, can result from a great uh, experience like getting married, even having a child. Those things make us happy. And you may say, yes, but my children bring me such joy. And children do bring those things. But even relationships are temporary. But biblical joy, biblical joy lasts. It endures. It's a gift. The book of Psalms has so much to say about joy has more than any other book in the Bible, uh, the, the book of Psalms talks about joy more and more. And Nehemiah, the prophet Nehemiah spoke of joy. Nehemiah said in, in Nehemiah 8.10, he says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Which means that if you're going through something difficult, this gift, this promise, this thing that God gives you that can't go away, this joy should be your strength. It should lift you up when you are down. The psalmist said in Psalm 511, he said, For all who take refuge in you rejoice and let them sing for joy. All through the Psalms we see different uh, indications and, and advice and direction in regard to joy. Psalm 47 says, it's a request, put more joy in my heart. Don't make me happier, put more joy in my heart. Psalm 1611 says, in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. Which is why I think that every time we gather for worship, that we should just be joy-filled. 
that this room should be just joyous. Which is different because some of us come in happy and some of us come in sad. Some of us come in forlorn and some of us come in uh, on cloud nine. But the, the environment, the spirit, the room should be full of joy. Because God's presence will, as Psalm 21.6 says, make him glad with joy in his presence. See, joy is a permanent possession. Happiness is fleeting. Joy stays. Happiness comes and goes. So let me ask you a question. As Christians, as Christ followers, why aren't we more joyful? Why aren't we more joy-filled? Why, why don't we uh, seem... Why don't we... Why don't... Why aren't we able to respond differently than others all the time? Well, I think it's because there's an absence of, not an absence of joy because it's there, because God gives it to us. It's a gift. But there's an absence of capitalizing or taking advantage of or using this joy that God puts in our lives. And see, we have very good reason to be joyful people. We should be the most joyful people on the planet. Psalm 68.3 says this, The righteous shall be glad. We are made right in Christ, so we should be glad. And we should exalt before God. They shall be jubilant, jubilant with joy. And our worship songs, they should, they should do what Psalm 107.22 says. Tell of His deeds in songs of joy. And the reason that joy is so important is because there is such gravity in this life i mean there's just a lot in this life and it seems like life gets heavier and heavier and heavier there's weight in our relationships there's weight in our health there's weight in our finances there's weight in pretty much everything we do you know uh, since we moved from oregon to ohio there have been two kind of events, one a few months ago and, and one just recently that have, that have um, reminded me how heavy the world is and how circumstances, even tragedy, can be so difficult. Uh, shortly after we moved here, uh, there was a, um, a, a, a single mom with two kids in our church in Oregon. They were not... I mean, they were part of our church. They came occasionally. We would see them for a few weeks, once a year, and then they would, they would go away. Well, um, her daughter, uh, Krista is the mom's name, her daughter, Aaliyah, was out floating the river with family and friends, and she fell off an inner tube and drowned at 15. Oh, my gosh. Heartbroken for her. And this was from, a, a, you know, a family, a a, 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 a single mom who was close to the Lord at times but not at times and, and I, just, I just could only imagine what she was going through and maybe the, the absence of that joy, this gift, what that would have maybe brought to her to help her through that. And I, every time I see her post something about her daughter who would have turned 16 uh, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, my heart just breaks for her. That's gravity. That's heavy. And just yesterday, I, 
I was scrolling through my Facebook feed and I saw a post from um, a friend from high school named Andy and uh, Andy was posting that he finally had the strength to share that his brother Craig who was 56 had a massive heart attack on Christmas Eve and died and Craig uh, was a friend of mine and so you see the heaviness and the weight of the world and what God wants us to hear and to know today is that in spite of all that he puts in us the ability to persevere and endure and even grow and be blessed in circumstances like that there's a big difference between joy and happiness there are pressures in this world that seem to just add up and pile on and all of you put on your christmas best and your pastor forgot and we put on a happy face and it's ho 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 and merry christmas but in all honesty for some of us that's a facade that that's uh, uh, something we're putting out there to hopefully create some sense of happiness in our lives when what we're really missing is this undeniable, irreplaceable joy, the greatest gift that God could ever give us. So what's the opposite of gravity? Well, the opposite of gravity is levity. Being, a, being able to laugh at yourself and I praise God for Kyle who's allowed me to laugh at myself several times since I became your pastor and I'm sure he'll take advantage of every opportunity to continue to do that you too Victor yeah I got a story about Victor but I'm gonna save it for the right time I got a story but we're gonna save it see we all need experiences and environments that bring levity into our lives because of the gravity of the world that we live in. Uh, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture is from Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. And this is really our main text for today. And so if you have your Bible with you and you want to read along, uh, turn to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah is in the Old Testament, uh, kind of near the middle back. And uh, I'm going to read this to you. And I'm going to read from the New King James Version today. I love this Scripture because... In this scripture, Isaiah gives us uh, marching orders. He gives us, and I love this because he speaks kind of from a pastor or preacher's perspective. And, and I've claimed this as one of my favorite verses, one of my life verses. This is what Isaiah says in uh, Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. He says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Every day I pray that when I share God's word, that the Spirit of the Lord would be upon me so that it's not me sharing my thoughts and my words, but it's God's word through me. It says, because the Lord has anointed me. To what? To preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And as a pastor, I get to do what every pastor does when they read this. We're claiming 2022 as the year of the Lord. 
that God is going to do something in you and through you and in our church and through our church that will knock your socks off if you just pay attention and engage. And the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. One of the things that struck me yesterday as I read the post of my friend Craig, uh, of Andy, about his brother Craig, was that he, he shared a letter that his niece that Maddie, Craig's niece, had written. And she spoke of Craig as the rock of the family and, and of such a difference maker in their family. And she asked that God would give her those gifts and talents and graces that Craig possessed in their family, in her, so she could continue to do what Craig had done so well in their family. And so she was asking God, to make beauty from the ashes. She was asking God to give her the oil of joy so that even in her mourning, she might bring more to her family than what has been taken away. I love this. To put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You want to get rid of heaviness? Put on the spirit of praise. Amen? that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that they may be glorified. The garment of praise. Did you know that there is a difference between worship and praise? Worship should minister to you. Worship should speak to you. But praise should lift you up as we lift up God. So here's my goal. My goal for today is to share with you in a way that God may lift you up. But what do you do when situations seem so heavy or they seem beyond you? Well, you have to find an environment or an experience that lifts you up. And that's what the church should be. That's what Sundays should be. That's what preaching should be it should lift you up when you are down the church that's why the church should always be joy filled and i'm not talking about the kind of joy that comes and goes that's just happiness talking about the kind of joy that remains no matter what is going on around you it's there it's a firm foundation for you to make it through this mean, dark, and cold world. Because you know what? Here's, what? here's what we know about joy. It's not temporary. It's not just about our external feelings or our internal feelings. This joy is a gift from God, and it lasts forever. It's been implanted in you, and it's just up to you to recognize that it's there. Let me give you an example of how the right experience can change things. And maybe, maybe you can relate to this. Driving in my car, I'm listening to Fox News. And I'm listening to all this stuff about everything that's going on in the world. And I, I'm not a big Christmas music fan. 
I won't listen to it until the day after Thanksgiving. But I'm listening to all this bad news in the car, and I turn on that Christmas station on Sirius XM, and all of a sudden things change. All of a sudden things change. My whole perspective changes. Do you know that every Sunday morning as I drive to church, I have a, Christmas, I have, I have a Sunday morning playlist? I listen to the, kind of the same songs every Sunday morning. And I might get in the car thinking about the busyness in the morning and everything I got to do and whether the computer's going to work and everything's going to go the way it's supposed to be. And I hit that playlist and I kind of drive the back way here from, from Amherst. And, and within about two or three minutes, I'm so excited about today. I'm so excited about getting to share God's word, to proclaim his good news for the poor and the brokenhearted. I'm so excited about what God may do today. That, that I can't wait to get here. And I have to admit, sometimes when I walked down the driveway to get into the car and the window was iced up and this and that and the other thing, I was like, not in that place. But the right experience, the right environment can change things, can turn things around. The right song, the right people, everything changes because life is heavy and God provides things that lift us up and give us this joy. Another example of things that, how the wrong experience can change things. And I may do this next year. I've never, I never saw this in Oregon. Did you know that there are companies here in Ohio that you can pay to put up Christmas lights? And then they'll come to your house and take them down and store them. In my married life, I don't think we've ever had Christmas lights on our house. Do you know why? Because after you use them the first time, they are a tangled up mess. In fact, I am so opposed to them that when we moved here from Oregon, the tangled up mess of Christmas lights got thrown away. I don't own a Christmas light. And Kristen would really like to have Christmas lights on her house. And so I may just pay somebody to do it next year. But you know that tangled up mess of Christmas lights that maybe some of you unpacked this year to get all ready and to string out? That's kind of a picture of life. Sometimes life is a tangled up mess. You know that if somehow you could get that mess untangled, if you could get it all straightened out, and you plug it in that something cool is going to happen. But here's the thing about life. Sometimes you even get all, the, you get all the, the tangles and the kinks out. And you get that thing straightened out. And you plug it into the socket. And what happens? Nothing. Why? Because there's a bulb out or two. Or maybe there's just one missing. It's one of those annoying strings of lights that every single place has got some. It's got to have a working bulb or none of them work. And that's just a picture of life. Sometimes life it's a tangled up mess. Sometimes, life, sometimes it's because you're missing something. And so I have, I have like resisted to the point of obstinance about Christmas lights because <coughs> of how, how that experience just takes me right out of the Christmas spirit. I mean, if I was in it to begin with, I was out of it when we got those lights opened because it's a tangled up mess. Where do you even start? I just want to put it down and give up. And see, this is a picture of what so many of us deal with. Life's a tangled up mess, and we don't even know where to start. It seems impossible, and we just give up. Or 
you have an experience like when we sang Joy to the World this morning, how it just brings you to a different place. It just, it just lifts you up. You know what I've discovered? That um, I, I love movies and to watch movies. And uh, my entire life, I'd never watched It's a Wonderful Life. How many of you have seen It's a Wonderful Life? Kristen and I watched it for the very first time last year. And oh man, what a gut-wrencher that thing is. I mean, that's, you, you, just, you just go on this journey with this poor guy, and then, you know, and then you know, it gets good at the end. But this year I asked Kristen, I said, hey, do you want to watch It's a Wonderful Life again? She's like, no, I don't know, it's kind of heavy. I don't just, you know, it's just, yeah, the end's good, but you've got to go through all this other mess, right? I found that I get, as I get older, I don't want to go through the mess. If it, isn't, if it isn't filled with joy from beginning to end, I kind of don't want to go there. Because it's like life. It's a tangled up mess. And all too often when life's a tangled up mess, we just walk away and leave it just the way we found it. But unfortunately, we miss the fact that God gives us the ability to straighten that life out. Replace what's missing and create something beautiful and wonderful. And see, that's what the Christmas story is all about. How God sent His Son to be a gift to us so that we could straighten this mess of a life out and replace what was missing and turn it into something wonderful. See, that's what we all need at Christmas and what we receive at Christmas, this promise, this promise that God gave so that we could have joy in our lives. We find this promise in the Christmas story. It's found in Luke chapter 2. We've looked at this several times this season. We find this promise and, and we, we find this promise of joy and this hope and, and it's interesting to see that in the scripture that I'm going to read you in just a second, that when, when, we first, when we first hear that this gift of Jesus is to bring joy to all the people, the people, the first people that are receiving this, this word are the shepherds. Did you, did you know that? It's the shepherds that get this first, noise, uh, first news. And it's, it, it's not a coincidence that they were the first to hear it because the shepherds were the least considered in this world at that time. They, did, they had the worst job. They, 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 they got, we're all sheep and we're stupid. Did you know that? And the shepherd has to take care of the stupid sheep. In Oregon, we have sheep. And, and sheep are so dumb, that it, and it rains so much in Oregon, that it will rain to the point where their, fur is, their, their coat is so heavy, they'll fall down in a mud puddle, and they're too stupid to get up. They can't get up, and they'll drown. Literally, sheep. When you're driving down the freeway and you see sheep laying down in a mud puddle, you're like, uh-oh, I'm wondering if that one's still alive. Because there's got to be a shepherd that's going to go out and help right that sheep up. It's a horrible job. And so the first people that get to hear about this joy are the shepherds. Found in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. It says, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, 
And they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to all the people. This gift will be for everyone. For there is, a, is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, in this, in this, in this promise, in this, in this visitation to these shepherds, God is making a promise to a very depressed group of people that this promise of great joy is not just for you, but it is for all people. I think it's, a, I think it's interesting. I, think it's, I, I don't think we should miss the fact that the guys sitting out in the field in the middle of the night watching their sheep, probably the most depressed people in the world, that's the first people that hear, hey, there's good news coming. Great joy for all the people. And so if you're depressed today, if, if you're feeling depressed today, the good news for you today is that there is good news because God has sent His Son to give you this gift of joy and it's for all the people. A Savior has been born who will wipe away everything you've ever done before and check this everything you ever will do in your future. Essentially, what God is saying is, I'm going to send you this one who, who essentially, he'll go back to your mess, to your tangled up mess of a life, and he'll unravel it. Do you know that sometimes the hardest thing to do is to let the Lord unravel our lives? It's painful it's difficult, but oh, how, how much freedom, how much healing, how much growth can happen in our lives when God unravels us. There's a song, you unravel me, like a melody. Well, how does a melody unravel me? He untangles it. He makes it straight. He replaces what's missing with himself. And this strand of lights that is your life that was a tangled up, useless mess that even when you tried to sort it out didn't work, he plugs it in to the source of life, Jesus. And it lights up for everyone to see. And it changes everything. Isn't that a great promise? Amen. And, when it is, and when it is fixed, when the life is fixed, we find joy in our salvation. The mess gets fixed. And then when we stay right, when we stay right with God, you, you know what happens though? Sometimes God comes and He straightens it all out and He fixes it and He untangles it. He unravels it. He replaces what's missing. He plugs it into the source and it works. It's transformed. But sometimes we go back to the tangled up mess and all that work that God does gets undone. And my challenge, my encouragement for you today is what God does in your life don't let your past unravel it. Don't let it get tangled up again by revisiting 
the gravestones of your past. When God does this work in you, receive this gift, this gift of joy, this gift of joy through our salvation, and do something with it. Move forward in faith with it. I am convinced that God's greatest desire for you and for me is that we would move from the moment where God untangles us, that moment of salvation, to a church word that we talk about in the Church of the Nazarene called sanctification. That God doesn't want to just save you, but He wants to sanctify you through and through. Your whole heart. I just believe that one of the deepest things that we are missing in the church today is we have a bunch of saved people, but we don't have many who are sanctified holy. And we have got to figure out a way to move people from being saved to sanctified. we got to figure that out. That's probably my greatest frustration as a pastor, knowing that this promise to move us from salvation to sanctification to sanctified is available to every one of us yet we miss it in fact we announced you know we're gonna have a baptism next sunday and i would encourage any of you that want to to come forward and be baptized and this couple who they're not here today they're gonna get baptized as a pastor do you know how many people i've baptized and they've made a public proclamation that the lord is their savior and that they're going to be moving forward with him and then before too long they stopped attending church altogether they make this big bold move they're saved And then something happens along the way. Life gets heavy again. Life gets difficult again. God didn't show up when they thought he would. They misplaced their joy like it's something you can lose. And the problem isn't life around them. The problem is this joy that they received, this salvation experience that makes them want to stand before God and his people and say, I'm being baptized today because of what Jesus has done in me. That, for whatever reason, doesn't propel them towards a deeper and more intimate relationship with the Lord. And that's what's missing in our lives. See, if you're saved, I mean, you will go to heaven, which is a great promise of God. But there are so many other promises that we will miss. And Christmas is about a promise of great joy, which will be for all the people. That is why I will never, never, ever neglect in showing you this. Showing you that God wants to move you further and further along in your faith. He isn't saved and done. Salvation is just the beginning. And my question for you today is, don't you think it's time to take this and just start working on entangling it so that you can get to a place where God can truly move you into this deeper relationship. See, the best news of all this is you get to start with God and He'll connect you with Jesus and then He'll do the rest. He'll help you untangle it if you stay connected to the power source. See, first, God wants you to know that Your present condition is not your permanent condition. And once your life is untangled and you plug it in, you connect 
to the power source that has all you need to move forward. And once you connect to the power source, you will be able to finally achieve everything that God wants you to be. Everything in your relationships, everything in the way that you work, the way that you play, everything about you can be different if you allow God to do what he does best, which is untangle you and connect you to the source of life that is Jesus. And the beauty of all this is is he didn't try to connect you from afar. Did you know this? In the Christmas story, this is so important. Don't miss this. God didn't try to connect us from afar. He came for you and me. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Jesus came. Not just to save you, but to, not just to save you, but to, not just to help you get your life together, but to help you live a life that is full and abundant and is blessed and is used by God. Let me share one more story with you. It's a married couple. <clears throat> They've been married for about 14 years. It's an interesting couple. Um, difficult beginnings. How many of you maybe difficult beginnings in your married life? 14 years that they've been married. They have a son, 15. So obviously they put a few things before they got married. Son, 15. And a few years into marriage, another child came, a daughter. And a few years later, another daughter. About 15 years into their marriage, something was wrong. Um, neither one of them were willing or able to kind of really put their finger on it. Um, they tried different things. Finally, one, one, one day the wife had just, she was done. So while her husband was at work, she packed up everything. Kids are at school, husband's at work. She packed up everything she needed, and she left. So when he got home that day, she was gone. No note, no nothing. She's just gone. Day went by, hadn't heard from her. He's calling the cell phone over and over and over again, and he's just getting the voice. I mean, it's not even ringing. It's off or something. And she's just gone. And he sort of knows why, but he doesn't really know why. What would bring her to just leave, not say anything? A week goes by, nothing. No word, no call, no response to anything he sent. Confusion is starting to set him. Where in the world is she? So he hires a private investigator to try to find his wife. Another week goes by, no success. Same hundreds of calls, hundreds of text messages, nothing. Finally, he gets a call from the private investigator about three weeks into this. And he says, I found your wife. She's, you're not going to believe this. She's at this little hotel not more than 12 miles from the house. So the husband loads the three kids into the car, 
and immediately heads for this hotel. He finds the room. He walks up to the room and he knocks. And she comes to the door. She opens the door and doesn't say a word. She just turns around, closes the door, and he's silence. He's just sitting there, now looking at a closed door, wife behind the door. He doesn't know what to do. So he waits, and a few minutes later, the door opens, wife with a suitcase in hand, walks to the car, puts the suitcase in the back of the car, gets in the passenger seat. Okay. So he gets in the car and they drive home. Not a word is spoken. Not one word. They get home. She goes in, unpacks her suitcase, puts her things away, goes into the kitchen, starts acting as if she hadn't been gone a single day. Finally, he can't take it anymore. He breaks the silence. He's like, honey, I, I don't understand. I, I don't understand. After, after everything that we've experienced, you leaving, you've been gone for three weeks, you didn't answer a single phone call, a single text message. I, I, I come to the hotel door, I knock. You don't say one word. You pack your things, you get in the car, not one word. Why in the world did you come with me? She says, well, it's simple. You came for me. You came for me. And that's what Jesus did for you and me. He came for us. And that's what Christmas is all about. The Christ himself came for you so that you could be fully restored, so that you could be fully, you could achieve and accomplish this incredible promise he put in every single one of us. Do you know that? That God puts this promise of just an abundant, beautiful life in front of every single one of us. It's there for each and every one of us through this beautiful relationship with Jesus. The reason why we come to Christ is because he came for us. And that's what Christmas is all about. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you so much that in the Christmas story, we discover that Jesus came for us. And he came for us so that our life, this tangled up, messed up life that we live here on this earth, can be untangled. That you can unravel us. You can take us apart so that you can do some work and some inspection in our lives and you can, you can take away some things that don't need to be there and you can put some things in that are missing and that are desperately needed and you can straighten us out and through your life and your death and your resurrection, you provide all this. And then in your in your resurrected body, you give us the ability to connect to this life source that death could not hold, that the grave could not contain. And in that, you give us the ability to live a life that is beyond anything we could ever possibly ask for or imagine. 
this saved, justified, right in God's eyes life. And in this righteousness, we have the ability to walk with you and to live with you, to have relationship with you that, that brings us further than just the moment when we are saved from our sins. You give us the ability to walk in this continued growth in grace that transforms our lives, makes us more like you so that we may be used by you in a powerful way. As Isaiah said, I come to preach good news to the poor and the brokenhearted. And he, he, he speaks that over everyone who has the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. And so God, today, would you bless your word and you, would you bless what it can mean to each and every one of us. And may we this season, without fail, would we, would, if, if for anything, could we not miss the fact that just like this husband went for his wife, you came for us so that we could be fully restored, fully healed, fully righteous so that we may be used in a powerful way by you. May God, you do that in each and every one of our lives. And may you help us to, for some of us who that salvation experience was years ago, and we've been walking this, it's, it's, it literally has felt like we've been walking around in sand. We, we don't feel as if we've made progress, but maybe this year, maybe this season could be what brings progress, growth in our lives that leads us from this moment when we are saved to a moment when we are sanctified, whole heart surrendered to be used by you. And may God, you receive all the honor and all the glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. We'll see you next Sunday.